Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Hidden Signs. I'm your host. My name is Jeff Murray. I'm a professor of marketing at the University of Arkansas. Today's episode continues our discussion of sign value, a key concept in marketing. I'm going to begin with some history as a thought-provoking illustration, but where I'm headed is far more practical. I want to discuss how this concept can be applied to marketing-related problems, specifically the management of meaning. If we were to read a contemporary textbook in marketing management or branding, the concept sign value may or may not be included in this book. I find this interesting given the importance of the concept for marketing and branding. If it is included, it will be discussed as a way of complementing the age-old discussion of utility. If you have had a marketing course, you probably remember time, place, possession, and form utility. Honestly, I'm not sure that these concepts can explain consumer behavior. Thinking back to my last episode, why one drip painting is worth $5 and another is worth $140 million, or why jeans with holes in them cost more than jeans without holes, or how floating signifiers destabilize interpretation which, in turn, emphasizes the importance of stories. In short, this somewhat worn-out way of explaining consumption tends to ignore emotion, identity, culture, and storytelling. If sign value, as a key concept in marketing, is included in the textbook, it is probably described as something new, an innovative way of thinking about value. Yet, sign value was key from the very beginning of capitalism. Let's take a step back in time. Classic feudalism existed in Europe between the 9th and 14th centuries. The feudal system was a way of organizing life around a set of reciprocal obligations between lords and vassals. Lords, as part of the nobility, provided land and protection for certain services from vassals, including agriculture. By the 15th century, expanding trade and travel encouraged the growth of towns and a rising merchant class. This merchant class consisted of specialists, such as grocers, spice merchants, cobblers, apothecaries, and goldsmiths, who formed unions called guilds. The success of this early merchant class fueled capitalism, and feudalism declined. The landed aristocracy began to lose power and position. Now money was becoming the symbol of power. As a way of maintaining class distinction and keeping everyone in place, the medieval kings of Europe passed sumptuary laws defining fashion and style for social classes. For example, gold and purple silk could only be worn by the royal family. If you were a peasant, it was against the law to wear the color sky blue, pearls in your hair, or buttons on your clothes. 
Presentation of self and fashion were controlled. Everything from the weight of belt buckles to types of shoes and hairstyles. There were thousands of these laws regulating sign value for the rising merchant class. Eventually, this class was able to gain power and democratize the use of signs. But it is interesting to note that to this day, sign value is still used to judge and evaluate one's social position. This is because not everyone has equal access to every sign system. In this way, sign systems are linked to power. Thus, from the very beginning of capitalism, Sign value inspired or motivated consumer behavior. It signifies identity, one's place within a social network. This is not a new concept. From the very beginning, it fueled the marketing process and explains consumer behavior. Do you remember in my last episode, I said that if we want to apply this concept, we need to understand the mechanics of semiotics. We used the ideas of Peirce and de Saussure to help us understand how to think from this perspective. I also emphasize that sign value is all about storytelling. This brings us to one of the most important theorists in semiotics, someone who can help us understand sign value, Roland Barthes. Roland Barthes was born in France in 1915. Around the same time that both Peirce and de Saussure died, he lived until 1980. Barthes studied the ideas of Peirce and de Saussure. He felt that there was something missing with their approach to signs. Barthes also knew that storytelling was the key. He wrote a fantastic book entitled Mythologies, first published in English in 1972. If you work for a consumer goods company, say Procter & Gamble, PepsiCo, Philip Morris, Tyson Foods, Coca-Cola, Kraft Heinz, and so on, pick up this fascinating book. Barthes writes a series of essays explaining the myth, or story, of everyday taken-for-granted objects, like detergent, margarine, wine, milk, steak, chips, plastic, and even the world of professional wrestling. Barthes wants to get behind things we take for granted. What hides behind the phrase? It goes without saying. He wanted to render the normal, or what appears natural, into something made up, something odd, strange, and extraordinary. Surely, Detergent is just part of the normal, boring, everyday, right? Well, here is a little Barthes. To say that tide cleans in depth is to assume that linen is deep, which no one had previously thought. And this unquestionably results in exalting it by establishing it as an object favorable to those obscure tendencies to enfold and caress, which are found in every human body. As for foam, it is well known that it signifies luxury. Barthes continues with these rather poetic descriptions, giving us a refreshing, creative view of something we have always taken for granted. 
Now, Barthes expands de Sachur's perspective. Return to the line with endpoints in your journal. Here you have the signifier, an object, and the signified, meaning or what the object represents. Barthes reasoned that the signified can always become a new signifier. So, underneath your line with two endpoints, under the signified, write second signifier and draw another line to a second signified. This is a second order signification, which Barthes referred to as myth or story. Remember the title of his book, Mythologies? Keep in mind, Barthes is trying to make the connection for us between sign value and stories. Okay, we need an example. Think of the movie Rambo. Here we have Sylvester Stallone playing the character John J. Rambo. The signifier is the movie itself, the characters, locations, action, images, and sounds. The signified is the plotline, story, and message. Troutman offers Rambo his freedom if Rambo will return to Vietnam to search for forgotten American prisoners of war. Okay, so far so good with first order signification. This is de Sachur, the signifier and the signified. Something we see or hear, the signifier, which triggers meaning, the signified. Now, according to Barthes, the signified, which is again the plot line, story, and message, becomes a new signifier. In other words, what does it mean that we are interested in this plot line? Rambo returns to Vietnam to search for forgotten prisoners of war. Barthes might say that the second order signified might be our cognitive dissonance over losing this war. This is a more abstract, second-order signification. The plot line or story is the second signifier. In our cognitive dissonance, our cognitive disharmony over fighting this war is the second signified. Well, this second-order signification is the myth of Rambo. The second-order signification is like a deep story. For Barthes, it is the deep stories that are important. Deep stories reveal hidden signs and create sign value. Think of our genes example. We see the distressed look, first-order signifier. And the first-order signified is that this is fashionable, in style hip and integrating with certain groups. Frayed hems and stringy holes are cool. According to Barthes, this is not the whole story. There is a second-order signification, a deeper story. The cool look becomes a second-order signifier, triggering deeper meaning. The second-order signified might be journey, expedition, pilgrimage, roaming, adventure, voyage, the kinds of things that wear out a pair of jeans. For Barthes, this is the myth of distressed, which creates the sign value for this object, the deep story. If Barthes was around today, 
He might write an essay on distressed genes for volume two of mythologies. I can hear him now. Distressed is the romance of the safari, the adventure of the crossing, and the drama of the passage to rove and wander, the excitement of the excursion. You are probably thinking, yes, this sounds poetic, but it certainly isn't top of mind when the consumer buys a pair of jeans. Well, exactly. It is a deep cultural story. It is pre-discursive. This is what Barthes means by myth. But on some level, these hidden signs register. They add value. Sign value. Irving Goffman, Canadian-born American academic, considered by some to be the most influential sociologist of the 20th century, wrote a fascinating book entitled The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life. This was one of his first books published in 1956. In this book, Goffman compares everyday life to the theater. It was Shakespeare who said, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one person in their time plays many parts. In so many ways, this captures Goffman's theories about impression management. In this book, Goffman explains that when an individual comes in contact with another person, they attempt to control or guide the impression the other person will form of them. They use setting, appearance, and script as resources when managing this impression. At the same time, they will use the managed impression of the other as cues to help them understand who they're interacting with. Well, the most important resource in this process is sign value. In this sense, we are all semioticians, whether we know the language of semiotics or not. Sign value is a form of communication. In my MBA course, when I'm teaching about sign value, I show my students two pictures of a coat and tie. The first is a rather ruffled look, an old corduroy jacket and loosened knit tie. I ask my students, what profession would you guess? Someone yells out, anthropologist, and everyone laughs. The second picture is also a coat and tie, but press shirt tailored dark jacket, sharp-looking silk tie. Again, I ask for a profession. Someone yells out, accountant, and again, laughter. Then I show them two drinks, a pint of beer and a glass of red wine. Which drink goes with which coat and tie? There is always consensus with this. The beer goes with the corduroy and the wine goes with the tailored look. But why? Well, the sign value of the beer is more consistent with the sign value of the ruffled look. It just fits. The same could be said for the glass of wine and the more formal pressed look. A semiotician might say, the drinks fit with the appropriate code. They share the same semiotic field. They create a sign system. Of course, we can think of examples when codes are mixed or individuals engage in code switching. Here, folkways are breached. 
and the social context is disrupted. This is why it is interesting and creative. The point is that sign value is woven into the cultural context, used as an identity resource. This is why it is so involving, so important for explaining consumer behavior. I love anything with dogs in them. One of my favorite stories is a Subaru commercial. The main character is a big brown dog named Banjo. The story opens with Banjo as a puppy running and playing in his backyard. While exploring his backyard, Banjo finds a loose board in the fence, which creates just a big enough opening for him to slip through. Banjo squeezes his way through the fence and runs full on to the neighbors. The location for the story is a beautiful green rural ranching community with rolling hills, streams, and old growth trees. It takes a few minutes for Banjo to run to the neighbors. Upon arriving, Banjo finds a rather cantankerous rancher who has no time for a puppy. Banjo steals some coffee and grabs a bite of the rancher's lunch before being chased away. In the meantime, Banjo's owner discovers that he is missing and jumps into her Subaru to fetch him. She drives to the neighbors, apologizes for the intrusion, and states, this won't happen again. Well, Banjo likes this interesting person from across the meadow. He finds a way nearly every day to escape and visit. And every day, Banjo's owner jumps into her Subaru and picks him up. Over time, this prickly rancher begins to look forward to Banjo's visit. He finds himself playing ball with Banjo, petting him, scratching his stomach, talking, walking, sharing a break in the shade, and maybe even a bite of his sandwich. They become friends. Then the story jumps to the future. The rancher is now older, graying, walking with a bit of a limp, and can no longer work the ranch. He spends most of his time sitting on the front porch, and Banjo can no longer run, also older, gray hair around his face, and like his friend the rancher, struggling to get around. The last scene is Banjo's owner driving up in her Subaru, opening the back door, helping Banjo out of the car and slowly walking to the house. The rancher shuffles his way down the front steps, smiles at Banjo, pets his head, and scratches his friend's cheek. He says, it looks like you got out again, huh, Banjo? The message is that love and friendship is often found unexpectedly. Recall that sign value and storytelling are closely linked. The Consumer Insight team at Subaru discovered that a large percentage of the Subarus on the road had a dog in the back seat. Subaru owners love dogs. So, the first step in managing sign value is to discover the valued semiotic codes shared by the target audience. In this case, the target audience loves dogs. Being a dog lover says a lot about a person. This story of unexpected friendship is an old one. 
Just think of some of the recent movies based around this same plot and message. A Dog's Way Home, A Dog's Journey, A Dog's Purpose, The Call of the Wild, The Art of Racing in the Rain, Marley and Me, and so on and on. The second step is to create a short story or vignette based on this semiotic code, just as Subaru did by creating the story with Banjo. The third step is to give your brand a role in the story. It can just be in the background or become a character. The fourth step is some repetition. Over time, your brand begins to take on the meaning of the story. An association with the valued semiotic code is forged. Your brand becomes one signifier in the sign system. Step 1. Discover meaning your target audience values. Step 2. Create a story where this meaning is the message. Step 3. Give your brand a role in the story. And Step 4. Repetition creates an association. Now the brand has added value. Sign value. This is a great example of how storytelling can create sign systems. I hope that you enjoyed this episode on sign value. This is Hidden Signs. My name is Jeff Murray. Special thanks to Seth Murray for composing original music for this podcast. Thank you for listening.